Welcome back to with Radio Veritas, Archbishop William Slattery of Swane Pretoria. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've heard that beautiful hymn, uh, Church. Praise him, praise him. Let us all praise him together. Yes, so next Sunday's gospel is an invitation from Jesus to us. We may be sinful, we may be lonely, we may be lost, but come, it is for us he has come. And it is the little ones who are especially blessed because they are the ones with most open hearts to receive him. Today is the 6th of July and today throughout the world the church celebrates the feast of St. Maria Goretti. Now, uh, she was a young Italian girl of 12, just 12 years of age, and she was, uh, uh, she uh, refused to be raped and so was uh, stabbed to death. Now, one of the largest crowds ever assembled for a canonization between 250 and 500,000. It was the first time a canonization of a saint had to go outside the Church of St. Peter's and take place in the square in front of St. Peter's, 1950, symbolized the reaction of millions touched by the simple story of Maria Goretti. She was the daughter of a poor Italian tenant farmer who had no chance. She was never at school. She never learned to read or write. When Maria made her first communion not long before her death at the age of 12, she was one of the larger and somewhat backward members of the class. Now, on a hot afternoon in July, 6th of July, 5th of July, Maria was sitting at the top of the stairs of her house, mending a shirt. She was not quite 12 years old, but was physically mature. A cart, horse and cart, stopped outside and a neighbour, 18-year-old Alessandro Serenelli, walked up the stairs. He seized her, pulled her into a bedroom. She struggled and tried to call for help. No, she said, God does not wish it. She cried out, it is a sin. You could go to hell for it. Alessandro began striking at her blindly with a long dagger, a sort of a file that he had. Maria was taken to a hospital. Her last hours were marked by the usual compassion of the good. That is, she was concerned about where her mother would sleep, forgiveness for her mother. She had been afraid of him, but did not say anything lest she cause trouble to his family. And her devout welcoming of Holy, her last Holy Communion, the Viaticum, she died about 24 hours after the attack. Alessandro was sentenced to 30 years in prison. For a long time he was unrepentant and surly, a very difficult prisoner. But one night he had a dream or a vision of Maria Goretti gathering flowers, lilies and offering them to him. His life changed. When he was released after 27 years, his first act was to go to beg the forgiveness of Maria's mother. Devotion to the young martyr grew, martyrs were, uh, miracles were worked, and in less than half a century she was canonized. She died in 1902, canonized in 1950. At her beatification, she was made blessed first in 1947. Her 82-year-old mother, her two sisters and her brother appeared with Pope Pius XII on the balcony of St. Peter's. And three years later, at her, at her canonization, 1950, as the 66-year-old Alessandro Serenelli, her murderer, knelt among the quarter million people and cried tears of joy. Now, uh, you know, when you think about it, Maria may have had trouble with catechism, but she had no trouble with faith. God's will was holiness, 
decency, respect for one's body, absolute obedience, total trust. In a complex world, her fate was simple. It is a privilege to be loved by God and to love him at any cost. Now, her, mar- her, mar- her murder was particularly terrible. He stabbed her uh, nine times and left her bleeding to death. Uh, he, came, uh, he, he came back in again and this time broke the dagger in her body. Uh, some of the daggers went right through her body from front to back. Uh, when she was dying, she was because of the terrible loss of blood, she was begging for water. But the doctors could not give her water because her body, they wanted to operate and all the wounds on her body. And uh, someone mentioned to her that Jesus died thirsty on the cross. And she said she wanted to die thirsty like Jesus. Among her last words were, I forgive Alessandro Serenelli. I want him in heaven with me forever. Uh, So for 30 years, as I say, he was in prison. He was an awful prisoner. He had to be put in solitary confinement. No one could control him. And then one night he had a dream of Maria Goretti coming with 14 white lilies, one for each of the times he stabbed her, nine times and five times. 14 times he put his knife through her and she came with 14 white lilies in the dream and he was converted. He called for the bishop, he confessed and he became a model prisoner. He was released 27 years later and so on Christmas Eve went to midnight mass with uh, the mother of Maria Maria Goretti Assumta and uh, uh, he knelt to receive Holy Communion with Assumta at midnight mass. Uh, he then went on to live a very holy life. He was present, as I said, in 1950 when the biggest crowd um, uh, until then in the history attended the canonization of a saint, of Saint Maria Garetti. Um, uh, he was uh, uh, the miracle that was worked by Maria Gretti so that she become a, uh, could be the church could recognize her sanctity was a man who was to have his leg amputated and uh, it was all bandaged up and so he was in a hospital waiting for his operation in the morning his leg had been badly crushed and his wife however put a little relic with a picture of Maria Goretti into the bandages around his leg when the doctors came in in the morning he was totally cured Um, this was taken as one of the miracles Uh, so Maria Goretti then is a model of purity of chastity of 12 years of age uh, and it's, it's, it's an example we need to look at in a world today that laughs at and mocks uh, celibacy, chastity, purity. These are words that are not politically correct anymore. And yet they're so essential because the opposite leads to absolute abuse of women and children, the failure of families and the utter misery of so many people. So St. Maria Goretti, we ask you to pray for us. Listen now to the next uh, piece of music. It's going to be uh, Holy God, we praise thy name. Radio Veritas, welcome back. It's just uh, two minutes to five in the Thursday afternoon, a beautiful winter's afternoon, sun shining. Greetings to you all. Thank you for being with us. And we celebrate the feast of St. Maria Goretti today, a model of purity for our young people and for us all, in fact. Now, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I want to look at one of the essential elements of our teaching, of Christian teaching, of Catholic teaching, something uh, uh, straight out of the Bible. 
um, and that is regarding our moral life. That is how we live our lives. The, what is what is good and what is bad, in other words. And uh, the guide that the Catholic Catechism uses, among others, of course, the life of Jesus is the really found real foundation, and the great commandment to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and our neighbour as ourselves. That is the fundamental. That's the essence of the thing. But uh, that's based too on the uh, Ten Commandments. And so I'm going to speak about the Ten Commandments over the next uh, few weeks. And today I'm speaking about the First Commandment. Now, uh, first of all, you remember that uh, Jesus and the Apostles took the Commandments very seriously. You know, you remember the man, the young man who came to Jesus and he said, Good teacher, uh, what good deed must I do to earn eternal life? And Jesus immediately stopped him. This is Matthew chapter 19. Jesus immediately stopped him and said, Sorry, now only God is good. You call me good teacher, but only God is good. So the first law is the goodness of God. Now, Jesus goes on then. Jesus continues. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments, Jesus says. Don't kill. He, he mentions them. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness, gossip or destroy people's names. Honor your father and your mother. Of course, yes, we know for us Christians it's made even simpler by Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus acknowledges then the Ten Commandments. He lived them to the full. Uh, not only legally, because he had to, or out of compulsion, but he lived the Ten Commandments with a spirit of love. He sees the Ten Commandments as a way of responding in love to the goodness uh, of our Heavenly Father. So, look, you can understand that quite well. You know, I'm sure in your kitchen at home or in your living room at home uh, or on the fridge at home, you don't have a paper uh, which says uh, the rules of this house are... You know, for the family, you don't have that. You know, people love each other. They know not when to make noise. They know when to be quiet. They know when to respect other people in the house. They just keep for the peace and love they have for the house, for their parents, for their children. You know, without any written laws, uh, because of love, uh, they, you know, observe respect for each other and keep, as it were, commandments or laws, but they're unwritten. Now, in a sense, that should be our attitude in a way to the Ten Commandments, that they are the love of God expressed in uh, these commands, and we should uh, live them out of our love for him, uh, not out of compulsion or out of fear or out of legality, but out of mercy and love and response to God. Now, the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai and written by the finger of God, we are told. You'll find them in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. Exodus 20, verses 1. And they are repeated in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy repeats most of the things that have gone is the fifth book of the Bible. It repeats many of the things, especially in Exodus and even in Deuteronomy and Numbers, or in Leviticus and Numbers. So it's either Exodus chapter twenty, verse one and following, or Luther or Deuteronomy chapter five, verse six, and so on. Now, uh, and we're told furthermore by Moses just before he died in Deuteronomy chapter. 
30. He says, If you love the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments, then you will live and multiply. So you will prosper. You'll be happy. Things will go well if you keep the commandments of God. These were the parting words of Moses. We should remember then, to understand the Ten Commandments, the context in which they were given. Yes, as I said, they were given on the holy mountain on Sinai. The people had just been liberated and God working through Moses had led them out of Egypt across the Red Sea and saved them from Pharaoh the story you know so well they're uh, in the desert on the edge of the desert and God is leading them to freedom and to their own land God loves this people Uh, through them he will show his goodness to all the nations of the world Uh, he makes a covenant if you like, he marries this people. He, he makes a very deeply personal relationship with this people, uh, he, which he has freed from Egypt and slavery. And he, he reminds them, I did not choose you because you are a great and noble and famous people. No, because you are not. You are a tiny, poor and weak people. So uh, the reason behind the, 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 the covenant, the reason behind the Ten Commandments is God's love for this people. So by the covenant, God said uh, he will look after them and lead them and through them show all the nations the beauty of life in God. So the Ten Commandments are how the people will live in peace. Here is Ubuntu, if you like. Here is humanity. Here is God's will in the Ten Commandments. Here is a natural law and therefore the Ten Commandments. Now, through history, you know, when you go back to the very beginnings of the church, uh, today we have the RCIA program. Many of you have participated in it. Many of you teach it. The RCIA program is a program for those uh, uh, coming into the church and it is based upon the programs that we had, you know, 2,000 years ago in the church, uh, preparing people for baptism. And uh, always a big part of that program are the Ten Commandments. You know, down to the centuries, you know, children learned the Ten Commandments by singing them. They were turned into chants so that everybody knew them and lived by them. Now, the first, uh, of, uh, the first three commandments of the Ten are uh, uh, loving of God, are concerned with God. And the next seven are concerned with love and care and respect for our neighbor. They are for all of humanity, uh, these Ten Commandments. And they are possible. It's possible to live them by the grace of God. because, And they will bring peace to individuals, families and societies. So uh, I look now at the first commandment. Now, the first commandment, and that's all I'm looking at today. Otherwise, I'll confuse you. So the first commandment says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage or slavery, and you shall have no other God beside me. So there is no other God beside me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. So this is a God who is faithful and just. There is no evil in him whatsoever. This God is almighty. That means he can do all things. He is merciful. He is good. We can place all our hope in him. I am the Lord. 
And so therefore, what is our duty because of this first uh, commandment? What does it ask of us? What does it expect of us? Well, first of all, that we should have faith, that we should have faith. Uh, That is, to believe and bear witness, to believe and to bear witness. Uh, to keep the commandment. we need, Now, we must make steps to keep that commandment. It's not just written there and we can forget about it. It's meant to be a living rule for our life. It's meant to be something that guides our whole approach to the world, this first commandment. So therefore, it's not something that's written thousands of years ago that we read in catechism a long time ago and now we can forget about it. The first commandment must be frequently before our eyes and our minds. In other words, we must nourish and protect our faith. We have an obligation to do that, to nourish and protect our faith. Don't you know that after after confirmation, you know, many people... You know, they've learned a simple catechism up as far as confirmation. Then they go to high schools or go on to universities or technologies uh, and uh, technicons and so on. And they find a whole lot of new learning or new subjects, chemistry and, uh, you know, uh, engineering in all its forms and medicine and so on. And they look back then on the catechism as something simple and for children. And they do not continue to deepen their faith because God is the source of all medicine and all engineering and everything there is. And we need to grow in our knowledge of God as well as our knowledge of engineering. So we need to pray and to reflect, to read, to share, to see, uh, to remember and to respond to. So therefore, to live that first commandment, I mean, to take it serious, and it's from God, it couldn't be more serious, then we must uh, uh, keep that, uh, nourish that faith that he has given us. You know, Jesus said to Thomas, you know, um, you, you believe now because you can see, because you have touched the wounds in my side and in my hands, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet do believe. So, uh, now, uh, to, to increase and to improve that, uh, we must see the hand of God in our own lives. Not only do we read and reflect and pray, but we must also see that God is present in our own life. We must remember the stepping stones uh, that we have journeyed over where God has been present in your life. You know, uh, uh, every one of us can look back over our lives, most of us anyway, and can see moments when God intervened in our life. Let us listen now to the next uh, piece of music, which is Sihamba no Maria, O Mama Ben Kaba Yemakatalika. <laughs> 